I'm Zoraida Cordova, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one. Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. to speak might not make you intelligent but we're gonna try to prove otherwise this is the clashing sabers podcast i am one of your hosts brandon coming live from my closet because i mean that's the times we live in people <laughs> and i am here with my good friend who is now also a barber just keep that in mind <laughs> mr mark Marquis. oh my gosh you saw that didn't you dude i need a haircut i'm just saying <laughs> no you don't need one from me <laughs> plane tickets are cheap i'm just uh... saying <laughs> Social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> and also with us tonight is the wonderful, the tech savvy, the <laughs> trendsetter of us all. It's Adriana. Hi, everyone. And please, I'm like, no, I just Google. I know that's the that's the answer to everything. Put it into Google. <laughs> oh man, guys, this has been a crazy day trying to get this set up. So for all you in, in radio land, my mic stopped working on the normal way that I record. So I've started using what Adriana uses to record. And let's just say I embarrassed myself. But we got it all together, which is super important because we have a really special guest. I'm super excited to talk with her. She is a uh, actress uh she is a stunt actor a voice actor a yoga instructor a musician she basically she's better than all of us ladies and gentlemen misty rosas oh my goodness <laughs> well thank you for that that was very kind <laughs> <laughs> you are just so you're so extremely talented you you cover a whole a whole ton of facets in, in terms of of what you do so kind of just, uh, if you would, just tell our listeners a little bit about like who you are, of course, talk about what you've done for Star Wars, and, and just kind of generally what you do. Sure. Hi, everybody in, uh, what is it, Radio Land right now, right? Uh, my name's Misty, and uh, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I am the, uh, they call me, which was very kind, the performance artist for Quill in Star Wars The Mandalorian. Um, but another title for the type of work that I do is suit performer. I've been, that was to, I was just fortunate enough to become a suit performer on the movie Congo. That was my first project ever. Um, so as exciting as it was, it was extremely overwhelming, but it's really the, jumping off platform for me for this type of work. Um, it's where I learned everything. And I spoke to a friend uh, yesterday and uh, probably the most important thing I learned as a suit performer too is a technique that uh, Peter Elliott and John Alexander taught us on Congo was uh, the technique called not now later, uh, which means when, you know, you're, in your suit and it's hot and it's heavy and everything in your body is achy and tired. You go to that place where you just close your eyes and you just say, not now, later. Um, and you just, you handle mm -hmm. it. Uh, the I reason like I'm, 
able yeah. to do this is, I think, uh, my gymnastics background. That I began gymnastics when I was two and a half, and uh, I loved it from day one. And I competed and trained as a gymnast all the way up till I was twenty. So, yeah. <laughs> quite the quite the start. How do you go from gymnastics to, I mean, getting into the entertainment industry? Um, it was, I will honestly say it was a gigantic right turn. Um, the, my gymnastics coach that I trained with as an, an elite gymnast, uh, the producers from Congo had contacted him and asked, uh, if he had, you know, any gymnast that he could suggest to audition for, uh, the gorilla artist role in Congo. And I mean, it was a very specific thing they were looking for, you know, someone under five feet, uh, someone with longer limbs and, you know, fairly, you know, a longer body structure and with extremely powerful, um, upper body strength for sure, but, you know, all around body strength to be able to handle, the weight of the costume, the heat, the cardiovascular strength that you need to just handle all of that. Um, and so he called me and he suggested it and I went in and, you know, the first auditions were very much about your ability to move. I was a gymnast, so I'm very comfortable <laughs> being on my hands. Um, so, you know, uh, they gave us arm extensions and they had us uh, show them that we could move and handle that on being on all fours. And then they asked us to demonstrate our, you know, upper body strength. And then from there, I just, the, the next audition was an acting audition. And I don't know, there was just something about the opportunity. I was just going to do whatever they asked me to do. And, um, yeah, and that's how I got started. And kind of from there, it was a crash course in, uh, learning how to obviously breathe, feel, be, and move as a gorilla. Um, we did acting classes in there and, uh, yeah, I obviously learned how to be a suit performer in that realm with wearing animatronic heads that you have no vision in. Uh, so we also worked and trained to uh, be able to work blind. And that comes in handy because a few of my uh, roles, uh, the hero head is what they call it, which is, you know, the animatronic head with all of the working components and everything. Usually those heads uh, you're blind in. So and then you have a stunt head as well where there's a teeny tiny bit of vision and you're able to kind of see and still do your job. So, uh, but yeah, it was a huge right turn into... Something, obviously, that I love that I didn't know at the time that I've dreamed of doing. Um, and then from there, it was just, you know, continue to train uh, as a gymnast, you know, doing first stunt work and stuff. But also, I uh, jumped into acting classes and voice classes and dance classes. So, yeah, that's uh, how it all began. And I mean, I'm so I'm super into like fitness and weightlifting and martial arts and um, stuff. And I just got to say, you're like I'm envious. You're like built. You're you're you have an you're an amazing athlete. I mean, really, 
that's I mean that's how you have to define uh, or how I would define um, what you do. I mean, it, it's just it's it's a it's, it's a lot of hard work. Yes, yes, I it absolutely is. <laughs> but so, I love uh, it. <laughs> so I, I have to I have to start, or she would be very mad at me. Our friend uh, our friend Joey is a huge fan of yours. Um, and so she freaked out when, when she found out we were going to be talking to you. Um, and, and she wanted me to ask you, you know, the stunt acting, it's a, it's an important role. Um, especially in, in today's movies, there's so much stunt work going on. Um, but most of the time people don't get the chance to, uh, learn about the people who are actually doing the work. Is it, is there anything about that? Does it ever bother you that, stunt actors don't really get the recognition they deserve or uh, is it more of just like the process of doing it, the art itself is fulfillment enough? Well, first and foremost, please tell your friend, Joey, thank you so much and give her a big hug for me. Um, I think that it really has to come down to at the end uh, what you're passionate about uh, I, a lot of the stunt performers that I know, mm, it's, you know, I mean, some of them would like to very much, and I think that they we should, uh, have a category at the Academy Awards. But, you know, to be honest, for me, um, I love what I do, and it's in the doing of it uh, that I, you know, really obviously feel the most joy and, you know, anything else uh, outside of that is basically icing on the cake. But that's just for me personally. And I was telling a, a good friend of mine yesterday um, when I do motion capture work for the Jim Henson Company, um, the first big motion capture project there that I was a part of was Sid the Science Kid. And I'm the uh, body performer, motion capture artist for Sid. Now, when young girls, little girls would come on to the stage, um, I would always make sure that I would walk over and chat with them and, you know, say hi and let and help them to understand what I was doing because it is empowering um, and I want them to know that, you know, whatever you dream of, you can do it. But I'll never forget the day when this little boy came on and it was just like it did break my heart a little bit because he was able to He's super um, savvy as far as understanding the people on the floor and then looking up above on the screens. And all I heard from across the room was Sid's a girl. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> And just like crushed him. And then um, they said, well, you know, the body of Sid is a girl, but, you know, then they walked him over to my puppeteering partner, Drew Massey, and they introduced him to Drew and Drew had him play on the puppeteer rig. And so then he was okay. But so in that instance, I'm okay with people not knowing all the time, you know, who's underneath the suit because I want them to be able to really uh, connect with the character uh, versus, you know, connecting with me. When you're acting under uh, a, a suit or a head, uh, especially a animatronic head, that you're pretty much acting blind. Is that true of, of Quill? Uh, no. You cannot see? No, not for him. His, that uh, build, 
uh, by Legacy Effects uh, was unique in that way. Um, I'm in a head, but those are my eyes, and I wore full contacts in my eyes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, I did laugh because a few friends, they thought the same thing. It was like, whoa, you were right on it all the time because they knew, too. It's like, well, you were in a blind head, right? I was like, nope, <laughs> those were my eyeballs. So, yeah, and then the head was constructed um, around my face, and I went in for quite a few fittings, too. And fortunately... Uh, Jason um, Matthews, who did the build, he did. They did such a great job of the skin, kind of around um, underneath my eyes and by my eyelid, and just blended so perfectly that they would just have to put a little bit of makeup on, um, and obviously touch that up a lot on set. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I got to see <laughs> uh, for this one, so that was wonderful, and you know, yeah. So, but it was still super hot. Uh, the moment that they would shut his mouth, um, because it so, was you know silicone. There's no air going in there. So, yeah. <laughs> so. Um. Okay. So, I don't know if this is really. Um, so obviously you've done a lot of suits. So for a quill suit, how long did it take to actually get in it? I know that's probably like something silly, but that stuff kind of fascinates me. I know um, when I did theater makeup, um, that was always fun and that, but it was so time consuming. So how much of your day was actually spent in this, it, like getting into the suit versus like how, how long you were filming? Um, you know, to be honest, it was not, uh, it wasn't, you know, a long, uh, time in any type of chair. The, uh, my whole, they crafted it at Legacy so that the whole top part, um, including the head, um, all of the wires and stuff to, um, make his eyebrows and the mouth and everything to move, they were in the backpack. And so it was a whole thing. Um, I just obviously had my wardrobe on and then they, you know, I had a wonderful, um, woman, uh, Whitney and, uh, she was my contact, uh, person on set all the time, including other things. She really stepped up for me and, um, took on other jobs, uh, but she would put the contacts in. They'd let my eyes settle a little bit, um, cause they would water a bit at first and then, you know, when it was probably 15 minutes before going on set, my team would put everything, it went on top of me, so it was almost like putting on a shirt, um, and then they have to tighten the head, put the makeup on, and then off we'd go. I mean, sometimes we'd have some technical difficulties, but for the most part, I would say all of that process took about 20, 25 minutes, so... Wow, that's not long at all. No. I really was thought it would be longer. <laughs> no, yeah. Tell us about tell us about meeting Quill that first time. The first time you you kind of got to see the the character art and then the suit and stuff like that. Like, what what impressions did you get about uh, Quill when that started? Um, the first time I saw him was when I went into Legacy Effects. Um, they did another head cast for me um, to make sure everything would fit well. 
And yeah, just seeing the pictures, because I had no idea even when I went into um, audition for this role, I didn't know what I was doing um, until I got to Legacy Effects. And I was just like, okay, he's cool. Okay, it's a, it's a, a male. And, you know, it's like, well, how old is he? And um, he just, you know, I could tell from just pictures. I was like, okay, he seems wise and um you know it just it helps me to when uh, once I get scripts and stuff then I really break down what it is but for me when I play um male roles I always because I was a gymnast and you know a, a woman my feet tend to naturally turn out so I always shift them my feet in a little bit and separate my feet a little bit so that it gives me a different type of gait when I walk and, you know, I just, I mean, I took a lot of different things, even from my own journey here. Um, I've said it before, I feel like I understood this character because of my journey as a, a yogi, as, you know, a practicing yogi and yoga teacher. Um, and then it was on a stunt job in between um, working on Sid the Science Kid, I did not realize that my calf muscles were getting super tight and the muscle was kind of getting shortened. So I was just doing, just bouncing on a mini tramp and I bounced and dug in too deep and I popped and tore, um, I don't know how many muscle fibers along my calf muscle. Um, so I incorporated with that right leg that never healed quite properly the little limp that he has too. So, <laughs> so yeah, I just, I took some things from my own life huh. experience. So. <laughs> it's really interesting because I, I feel like, and, and I've thought about this cause I'm a huge animation fan. Uh, Star Wars animation is like my jam. And we give a lot of credit for the the voice actors, you know, Freddie First Prince Jr. and Vanessa Marshall, and they deserve a lot of credit. But we forget about all the people who actually make the character come to life and, and do the little nuances like that. So it's it's fascinating that like your life, uh, your life experience got to bleed over into the character because, like you said, like there was the physical things, but then also you know your your own personal journey and. Mm -hmm. There's something about Quill that is just, you, you connect with him, you know? Mm -hmm. I've, I've never heard anyone say an ill word about Quill. Mm -hmm. um, he just, he, he has that, you know, like you said, almost that Yoda-like yes. um, aspect to him, uh, which is, is, it's cool to know that it wasn't just, uh, you know, the script that made it that way, but it's the little things mm -hmm. um, that you did as an actress to, to make that happen. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those moments to where, uh, all, all of my life experience and the choices I've made, um, and my friends have gone along with me on this journey too, you know, especially as a music artist. And I will fully admit, um, it's, Equal Parts like has been extraordinary and it's a passion, but it's also been such a struggle and I have you know, the journey, like I wouldn't trade any of it because really I poured all of 
what I learned from that experience and how hard you have to work and for such a long time. And, you know, there's going to be so many road bumps and it's like taking that journey and just choosing to follow my heart and my passion is really why I, I feel like I was given this gift of getting to do this character. Cause I remember being in, um, the waiting room at Seraphin casting and they gave me my script and, um, I read over it a few times and I just sat there and I had this like aha moment of, <gasps> I know this character, you know, so, um, I understand him from my yoga journey. I understand him from all of the setbacks or what feels like setbacks and, um, trials and moments of sitting in my car when things are just completely falling apart and talking on the phone with my mom and going, this is just the worst moment ever. I don't understand how I got here. I know I know why I got here, but you know, and she's like, you know, you're okay. You're okay. Just keep going. And, um, so just putting that into him and, you know, being fortunate to have such a brilliant writer like John Favreau, um, allow me the opportunity to, you know, embody this character with his brilliant, um, words, you know, and then of course, Nick Nolte, um, I, you know, was fortunate enough to have his, uh, vocal recordings with me when we would be on set shooting. And it just, it just, I don't know, it's one of those moments where everything, you know, came together and it just felt like such a gift. And I would always, um, I remember sweeping in our kitchen once and, you know, some of his bigger monologues and stuff, I would just recite them over and over and over. Cause the more that I would speak his words, the more depth I would feel and come to know, um, of him. And, you know, I just remember sweeping one day and doing, you know, speaking his big monologue in episode seven, when he and Cara Dune have that moment in the Razor Crest, and he's basically explaining his situation and what it was. And I just kind of broke down. And that was my aha moment of like, okay, that is the the whole of who this character is and what he's been through. So bring that with you for every second of every moment when you're on screen with these other brilliant artists. So and that's what I feel we did. Everybody was extremely grateful to be there. And so everybody gave it a thousand percent. So I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that you had Nick Nolte's lines with you because that was going to be one of my questions as to uh, the coordination of uh, obviously somebody's operating the lips and the mouth, but then you have to give a performance with your gesturing and your head tilts. So I was wondering how all of that coordinated and whether uh, his actual lines were being played during to, to sync everything up. Yes, we... And again, I mean, I was, I've been fortunate. I learned uh, the technique of, you know, working with puppeteers um, on characters that have dialogue uh, for such a long time on at the Jim Henson Company. And um, I, you know, at first, because it's two people trying to blend and mesh into one character until you really get the flow with your your you know, puppeteer and on, as far as quill puppeteers, um, 
you know, there can be a lot of times where it just does not go well and it's very obvious and obviously on set, you know, we would just start laughing because like, sorry, can we do that again? And um, for me, I would always come in, you know, knowing the dialogue in and out, back and forth, so that that wasn't what I was trying to remember or struggle with, uh, because I knew there were other things, and there were three, you know, sometimes three puppeteers plus Nick Nolte's lines that I'm, we're all trying to create uh, this timing to blend together and create this character, and so you know, our team, again, everybody came in with so much love and excitement and passion for what we were doing. We would go through, my team would watch our um, rehearsals in the morning with everybody. And then, um, so that they would kind of get a, a feel for the flow of what the scene was going to be and stuff. And then I would run over to our station and um, then we'd go over the dialogue, Nick Nolte's dialogue and stuff. And he gave us the opportunity to choose. Like he would give us uh, different um, emotional takes of each line. Uh, so we would choose what we thought would feel felt best. And then our directors would come and listen to you and they'd be either say yes or no to that. And then from there, I would try to work with them on giving them some sort of physical cue sometimes to then, you know, uh, push for the dialogue and stuff so that we were as in sync as we could be. So, and to also know that it is a collaborative effort. I'm not one that um, likes to control the situation. I've said, I trust you guys and, you know, whatever you're feeling, just do that. And it was really, really cool to see it um, finally all come together. I never watched any of my work when we were shooting because I didn't want to get in my head. But so that then it was just such a pleasure to watch it, you know, once it had all come together. So. So you, the first time you watched it was actually like the finished episodes? Yeah, it was at the premiere. <laughs> that is the first time wow. I saw. Wow, what was that? What was that like? Oh, man. Um, very, very emotional. Because again, um, I wasn't expecting um, anything. I was just so grateful to have done the work. So I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to go to the premiere or anything, um, or do the whole red carpet thing. Because I had, you know, fortunately, uh, my roommate, uh, Mark Wagner, who's a phenomenal award winning stuntman. Um, he's, you know, worked on the show as well as a stormtrooper and other characters. So he came with me. Um, and then his best friend, who is part of the, uh, I think it's the Boba Fett fan club. He was um, one of the few that got to, he won one of the lottery tickets. So he got to come too. So I had this wonderful group of people with me. And um they, I almost optioned out of doing the red carpet thing. <laughs> my roommate grabbed my arm. He's like, you need to step on. And there's like, nobody knows who I am. So <laughs> I just, you know, was like, oh, why don't we just go in? He's like, no, you know, go and take a picture. I was like, fine. <laughs> but so when we got in there, I felt much more calm. And I was just so excited. And um, yeah, I had like 
I think the biggest smile on my face, like it was just so overwhelming to see all of it. And then just, I looked at my roommate and was like, wow, <laughs> wow, this is really, really cool. Um, I can't even describe it. There are just no words. It's um, the amount of gratitude I have for getting this opportunity. It's just, there's nothing like it. Um, and that's why I continue to work really, really hard um, to prepare for whatever else is coming. So. Oh, that's just like, that warms my heart just hearing that because like you deserve it, you know, like you put in a lot of hard work uh, on that set. And I, I, there's so many people that I think don't get credit for what happens on a movie set. And I know, I'm not sure, you know, if you really are uh, following the Star Wars fandom, but diversity is, is a, a huge uh, discussion point that we're having right now. And, and we're... Uh, big on diversity here. Um, and we definitely need more diversity in front of the screen, but the other people matter too, right? The, the suit actors, the, you know, puppeteers and all of that stuff. And I know you're, you're a woman, which is great because we need more of those, but also you have uh, a disability with your hearing. So like, how does that affect, um, kind of how you, you go about doing your, your job? Um, it was somewhat challenging. Uh, my left ear is much stronger than my right ear. I was born with the hearing loss in my right ear. Um, but over, you know, the course of my career, I wish I would have thought of this before because I've always put the earpieces in my left ear and it's caused some, you know, nerve damage of, you know, volumes being too high inside of a head and stuff. So, uh, this time around, I opted to put it, put my earpiece in my right ear and just have them crank the volume because <laughs> um, it doesn't matter that ear is what it is. So, uh, you know, fortunately, all of the crew, um, Sean and Veronica at Sound, they did. They worked with me. I told them my situation. And if it was too much of a problem, then I would shift it to my left ear. But uh, they've been great, you know. They would just put the my earpiece in my right ear and crank the volume, and uh, most of the time we were good. Um, I do believe sometimes it shorts out when I'm doing the uh, different, you know, the projects with everybody on this set uh, because of the heat. I think it just gets so extremely hot in there that the earpiece just can't handle that much heat for that long. So. Uh, that's been a little bit of a struggle, but I think uh, we've, you know, found um, what works the best as far as a certain type of earpiece in my ear. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I've never, I've always been part of that, um, you know, group that calls ourselves handicapable. Because, um, yeah, it's, it, it, having, you know, a hearing loss is definitely a struggle, but I also sometimes, you know, consider it a blessing because you don't always necessarily want to hear what people are saying to you. So, <laughs> um, and it does, yeah, it's it's uh, been a struggle in the recording studio. I didn't tell my record producers uh, when I first met them, you know, how severe my hearing loss was. I probably should have, but 
I just wanted to work with them so bad that I didn't say anything um, until we really got going. And then they understood. It's like, okay, that's why you get pitchy sometimes. Like, yes, because for me, I have to concentrate that much harder to find pitch center because I just don't hear like everybody else does. And then I get um, listening fatigue and then I get super, super pitchy all of a sudden because my brain just cannot concentrate that hard for that long. So, you know, in the recording studio too, we've learned all of those types of, um, you know, struggles that I have. And then once that happens to me, we just stop a session for the day because my brain just needs a rest. And then I'll usually come back the next day and start again. So, but handy capability is what it's all about. So <laughs> you'll find a way, you know, there's always a way. Where there's a will, there's a way, right? Yes, and like the Mandalorian says, this is the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's fitting that you say, like, um, that you talk about the that those like big quotes. Um, when you were when you got the role, um, and you were reading through your the lines and stuff like that, did you know that um, I have spoken was going to be such a big thing? <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I thought it was really cool. Um, again, I'm pretty sure that is one of the factors um, in my audition. I because I understand um, what those words mean. Because they again, it's not. It doesn't come from a place of disrespect. It's just he's so wise and he has been through so much um, that he always likes to just speak as honestly and as truthfully and as precisely as possible and he doesn't like chatter and when he's done talking he's done talking <laughs> so um no I mean I know that that was such a an important moment because um especially the first scene uh when you know you're introduced to Quill uh, we shot that several times, uh, I think three times, you know, to really get it right and to, you know, because he's such a brand new character and obviously he was in, you know, the Ignats were in Empire Strikes Back, but they're just the this these characters that you really have never experienced or seen. So it was really important to get that moment, you know, right. So... Um, but it is fun. Um, my friends send me the memes all the time and, uh, I've loved all of the different fan art from everybody. And obviously all of, uh, you know, most of the artists, you put that quote up in the little cloud. So, and I love it. It's, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> so I know I joked around with, uh, Brandon a couple of times because we're both teachers. Uh -huh. So like when our students are like not listening, we're just like, I have spoken. <laughs> yes. I'm done with it. Can we go back a little bit? Because I know you had um, talked about your audition with acting. Sure. Um, that you have to act. And so I, I'm a theater major. And so for me, like when I audition, like when I would audition for stuff, you know, you get your script and you read it. Um, is it different because you're in a suit character, like as far as the acting? Or are you still reading the lines? Are you still... Um, asking like, um, do they still have? Oh, read it this way. Read it this way. Or is it very? Or is it different? It's different for um, suit performers because they're we have 
puppeteers that usually are the voice actor. Um, and so they're actually emoting um, the lines. But you, my job is, you know, the body. And um, so I always feel that, again, I bring everything I can um, to it so that you're really, you're feeling that that is coming, you know, from the soul, even though I'm not um, actually speaking the lines. Um, I obviously, during our rehearsals in the morning and anytime we would do setups for, you know, scenes, um, I was not in the full costume. So it was me uh, saying the lines and stuff. So, you know, I would always come in fully prepared uh, and off book and stuff, just knowing the dynamics of what uh, it means to be a suit performer on this project. And then when we would be in a scene and stuff, I wasn't speaking vocally, but I was actually, you know, kind of moving my lips and saying my lines um, in my head <laughs> um, as we were doing it, but never, you know, obviously projecting because uh, it was Nick Nolte's voice that uh, needed to be heard. So. So. How much uh, time is do you actually did you actually spend on set for the episodes that you were a part of? Like, what was the the time span there? Um, do you mean uh, each day or you know as far as yeah, the like whole? Each, well, each day or just like overall, you know, because this is this is kind of a new the, the whole streaming thing is kind of a new thing, right? It's mm -hmm. like eight hours of content versus like a two hour movie. Yes. So is, is this like a year long process? What does that look like? Uh, let's see. For me, the whole process was, it was a little different for me too, because I had more um, fitting days and stuff with legacy effects, as well as with wardrobe. Then I would go in a few times to legacy and do some rehearsals with my team. Um, but let's see. Yeah, I started shooting day one which was really, again, it was so special because uh, day one was the big monologue for Quill when he's explaining what is happening at the camp, you know, uh, on on the blurgs with Mando and um, showing him, okay, this is where, you know, you'll find your quarry and uh, this is what's happening here. So that was day one, first setup, first shot, and... Uh, and it was just, it went beautifully. I mean, <laughs> my first day of shooting, I got there and I think I was done within two hours. And uh, then they had shifted and moved on to shooting other things. Whoa. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, we just, we <laughs> came in and we're standing there um, with Dave Filoni, uh, me and Mando. And, you know, he's like, okay, guys, are you ready? And it's like, yes. And, you know, trying to be as excited and happy but on the inside just had butterflies in my stomach because again it means so much to me to be a part of it and I was like and I was ready but it's just we I had no idea how it was gonna you know go but it just it went so smoothly um so that was one of a unique day but most of the days you know I would have uh, 12 hour days 14 hour days I had I think one 16 hour day um, you know, and then for me, uh, they would do their very best with scheduling and stuff to, uh, try not to have me shoot, uh, too many days in a row, you know, just for the sake of my body, 
because um, uh, we shot the the famous chase scene um, with the you know uh, the troopers on the the bikes, and for me that was a day all day long on the blurg, just you know riding a thousand miles an hour, holding Baby Yoda in my left hand, trying to squeeze my legs as tight as possible on the blurg so I wouldn't fall off and holding the reins. So my body, like every muscle just hurt. So I know that they knew how tough that was for me. I don't know. They probably saw it in my face. <laughs> it was like the next day. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, why? <laughs> and they're like, you look tired. It's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Again, not now, later. Um, but, uh, John Favreau, again, is such a, is probably one of the kindest, you know, people I've ever met that, you know, is also my boss. And he gifted me a Burke Williams massage. <laughs> so, like, after my last day of shooting that week, I went straight there, <laughs> you know, and, you know, someone worked on my poor body. And, uh, and then next day, day back at work, it's like, how are you? It's like, so much better. Thank you. So, yeah, super <laughs> grateful. <laughs> This uh, this job is very physical, as you've mentioned. Um, so I have a couple of questions about yoga. Sure. Um, so how does how does your training with yoga um, has helped you uh, in your profession? And the second part of my question is, I'm very interested in getting started in yoga, but mm-hmm. I have absolutely no idea where to start. How, what advice would you give somebody like myself who's uh, interested in doing it more for relaxation and stress reduction? Okay. Um, let's see, yoga. Um, after I shot uh, the Country Bears movie, uh, again, my body was extremely beat up. And uh, my puppeteer, Alice Vernon, she uh, suggested yoga. And I had no idea. I didn't really know anything about yoga. But again, it's one of those things where I took my first class and I was immediately hooked. Um I teach Bikram yoga, which is the hot room yoga. Um, The reason that I, that that one is so effective is one, the heat, it accelerates your healing process. Um, It helps you to break down any scar tissue and fascia, which, you know, basically keeps everything held together. Uh, muscle-wise, onto the skeletal system. If you have trauma, that turn gets really brittle, and that won't open up for you unless you are extremely heated. And so, Bikram yoga um, that it accelerates that process due to the heat. Um, and it's you know, it's a series of twenty-six postures with two breath exercises. And the way that the series was designed is literally, it's um, physically and anatomically, what am I trying to say? Uh, Anatomically (laughs) um, designed to heal your body one posture at a time. Each posture prepares you for the next posture um, in a way that your body will be physically ready to practice that type of posture. Um, and so that was the one, you know, I know it, it's, it, everyone has their opinion about it and it's like, it is, it can be really hardcore, but we always encourage brand new students, just come in, make sure you're hydrated and sit down often because the most important part of yoga is your breath. 
Um, your breath is everything. It's mm -hmm. our life force. Mm -hmm. We can't, you know, exist without it. And so the just doing the posture and learning how to practice it using your breath and and that constantly moving is everything. Um, I know there's so many different yoga practices. Um, you know, right now is a is a unique it's time. It's difficult to know where to start. Yeah, I mean, if you want, you're welcome. I actually am teaching with my friend Aaron tomorrow. We're doing, um, we've been doing online classes for students, and a lot of brand new people are coming uh, to online class oh. uh, via Zoom. And um, and we're there with you. Her and I kind of partner teach where I set up and do the dialogue for a posture and then she's behind me kind of demonstrating what it is and then we switch off and uh, so that's what we're doing right now to try to help our our students and even new people it seems we're getting a lot of uh, brand new students coming in because uh, again to go into a room with all of these people it is daunting and it is you know uh, nerve-wracking and you feel like you're embarrassed, but I always tell the new students, please remember that the advanced students in the practice are not looking at you. They don't even know you're there because they know exactly where they're supposed to be focused and meditating. And if anything, the advanced students in that room, they're just radiating really positive energy and good energy towards you because they can see what the struggle is. And, you know, really it's just understanding, don't push in there. Um, it's not about forcing or straining. It's just about being with your breath and listening to your body with the breath as to how deep you can go into your posture. So, and it is healing. The breathing techniques would definitely help me. Yes. Yeah. All breath work, um, it's designed to, breath work, you know, period, it uh, calms your nervous system. So uh, that's always a good thing. And especially right now, it's very important for everybody. So you were talking about filming and, and holding Baby Yoda. Uh, I'm super obsessed with Baby Yoda. <laughs> and uh, I was just wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit more about um, like how, how working with that, uh, with the Baby Yoda was and um, if he was really as cute in person as he, as he is on screen, because he's, so cute, and I love him so much. <laughs> Everybody's obsessed with Baby Yoda, including me. Like I said, I mean, uh, so many times uh, Deb Chow would be like, "Missed, don't touch the baby, don't pay attention to him. Remember, you're a grumpy old man. You don't care that much." <laughs> and I was like, "I know. I promise. I promise. I won't touch him or pay him any attention in the scene." <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just remember. Uh, that day, you know, getting to do that scene. And, uh, you know, it was cool because it was in the dome and it was a long tracking scene. Um, but it, it is, it's funny to think about it because like, between my team, it's me and three puppeteers on one side and then Baby Yoda and all of his, you know, animatronics and the wires and stuff in order to keep, you know, keep him alive and stuff. So their team, I think, was on the left and my team was on the right and the dolly track and the camera. And we're just like trying to, you know, maintain a timing of uh, how, you know, quickly 
or slow I was moving so that everybody it was like a parade um, going down. <laughs> so, but yes, he is as cute in person. Again, I always give him <laughs> hugs when I go on set, and then obviously I'm you know great friends with all of the puppeteers, so they'll you know bring him to life, and then we would have a moment and we chat. <laughs> So it's always, yeah, I, I, I'm obsessed with him. My mom's obsessed with him and any type, anytime I get any little gifts or anything from people that are baby Yoda, it's just like, oh, so yeah, he's the cutest thing ever. So <laughs> that makes me so happy because <laughs> that just makes me so happy. And I'm like super jealous that like, you got to like, you got to hold him and touch him and and stuff I like I feel like everybody is probably jealous of you right now because <laughs> I think that's what everybody wants just to just to hold him <laughs> oh yeah because I remember one of the puppeteers um so, his teenage daughter I think you I, which one was it I don't want to misquote or anything, um, but he, his teenage daughter that really doesn't have much to do with him right now suddenly was super sweet and wanted to come on set. And he told her, he's like, you know, you cannot take a picture with Baby Yoda, right? And she's like, fine. And then she just walked away. And that was the end of that discussion right there. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of security around him and, you know, no pictures, uh, no nothing. So... Uh, again, yeah, I do feel very lucky and fortunate, you know, because he's always there um, when we set up scenes, too. Um, and so, you know, again, I, I don't know. He's just, he's the best. And so I do have a little chat with him anytime I see him. <laughs> did you guys call him Baby Yoda on set or did you have to refer to him as the child? I called him Baby Yoda because, you know, for me, that's what he is. And, and you know, being a Star Wars fan, uh, Yoda, yes. Yoda is, is my favorite character. I've always resonated with that character. Perhaps that is part of my journey even as a yogi because I really consider um, Yoda and all of the Jedi Knights. Um, they definitely have a, a yogic uh, sensibility about them. So uh, for me, yes, uh, I called him oh, you know, sure. Baby Yoda. So I think sometimes people would call him the baby, uh, bring, you know, please bring the baby on set, uh, that kind of thing. But, you know, for me, it's always been baby Yoda. So, uh, before we, before we kind of get to, to landing the shuttle here, I have to ask, I know everybody wants to hear about baby Yoda, but just between you and me, how cool is Gina Carano? Oh, she's amazing. <laughs> the coolest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's... Goals, um, man, goals. <laughs> she's yeah, a hero. She's super kind um, and extremely humble. Uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm not one that Googles people too much, so I didn't know how like famous she was. <laughs> she was just this cool, nice person uh, that I got to work with. So obviously now that we, you know, we chat and, you know all the time and I follow her on Instagram it's just like that is so crazy <laughs> like you're super famous <laughs> so her and Ming you know and Bryce it's just um every <laughs> all of them are the nicest kindest y'all had quite a cast yeah extremely 
uh, hardworking, respectful. Um, yeah, there isn't anybody, you know, that's, you're just like, mm, I don't want to work with them. Uh, every single person is, you know, is very kind, you know, very giving of their time. And again, there's no drama on set. It's just always this wonderful experience. So to be there with everybody. So you mentioned being a Star Wars fan, and we'd like to close out uh, having our guests on here with uh, some quick rapid-fire Star Wars questions. So are you ready for this? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> sure. Shoot. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so first question, which Star Wars movie did you watch most recently and why? Mm. Oh, all of them. Um, let's see. <laughs> let's see. What did I watch recently? Most the most recent one was The Rise of Skywalker. We got we went and saw that in the theater, um, and I loved it. And you know, just as a fan, um, to see it all come together. But here at home, uh, I watched Empire Strikes Back. So uh, yeah, I love the the first trilogy i think too just growing up with the second and third movie um there's just something about them you know to come full circle and then to be a part of something that i was so in awe of and um and learned so much from uh you know yeah i i think i've watched all three movies especially during shooting and then, you know, some of the newer films, whatever was that was on TV, I would watch that. <laughs> and sit there it's at steady. home by it's myself and cry. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who is your Star Wars uh, BFF? Yoda. <laughs> this can be a real person. Yoda, or I was gonna say you could be a real person, or it could be somebody in the movies. You got Yoda. Mm -hmm. That seems that seems like a good combination there. Yeah. Um. So then, what would your Star Wars pet be? Star Wars pet. Ooh. Um. Well, <laughs> because I loved him so much, I really want a blurk. <laughs> Um, but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would talk to the blurbs too. Yeah, me too. It's like Buddy, Buddy, and that's Bell. <laughs> I named them all. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> all right. Which Star Wars character would you let take over your Twitter account? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, good. That's a good one. <laughs> Some knowledge with a little bit of sass. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I think I know the answer to this one. But what is your favorite Star Wars one-liner? Oh, well, of course it is. I have spoken. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. Oh, I would have been disappointed if it was anything else. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Missy, thank you for... 
Thank you for taking the time to uh, to come on and talk with us. Uh, if our listeners want to follow what you're doing uh, or connect with you or anything like that, where can they do that at? Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun to laugh with all of you. Um, they can find me really pretty much on all the platforms, uh, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my music is on YouTube and iTunes and Amazon Music. So, yeah. So, yeah, just type in my name and uh, you usually can, you're able to find me from there. If they can't, they can always go to imdb.com and that's usually a, a helpful resource. Nice. All right, Mark, uh, Adriana, you guys go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Uh, yes, you can find me over on Twitter giving myself uh, self-haircuts in isolation. <laughs> and you can see what the results are. Uh, you can find me there at DJM Marquee. And I'm also over on Instagram at Marquee1205. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Celestial Intent. And, of course, you can always find us over at ClashingSabers.net or on Facebook, Clashing Sabers Star Wars Community, on Twitter, at Clashing Sabers. And stay tuned for more information coming on our Patreon, where you will be able to support our literacy nonprofit. So until next time, boys and girls, we have spoken. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.